Welcome to the Urban Hope Podcast. Today's sermon is called The Ten Commandments, Do Not Steal, from Exodus 21 through 15 and 18 through 20, from Elder Dion Watts. Good morning, everyone. Glad to have y'all here with us this morning as we continue our journey through the Ten Commandments. So at this time, we will continue to honor God's word as we stand, as we read God's word. We are in Exodus chapter 20, as we have been over this entire series. We'll be reading Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 15, and then 18 to 20. The word of God says this, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. And our key verse this morning, verse 15, you shall not steal. Verse 18. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The grass withers, the flowers fade, the word of our God remains forever. You may be seated. This sermon this morning will be my last in regards to this particular sermon series that we've done on the Ten Commandments here at Urban Hope. So since this will be my last on the Ten Commandments, I want to give some data on the knowledge of the Ten Commandments that's currently here in the American culture. 
What do the American people know about the Ten Commandments? According to data from the Barna Research Group, 60% of Americans cannot name even five of the Ten Commandments. 60% of Americans cannot even name five of the Ten Commandments. Only 14% can accurately name all 10. Approximately one out of 10 people, only one out of 10 people can name all 10 commandments. This, my brothers and sisters, has been detrimental to our society. Um, this has cost us. Uh, the basis of our laws should be on the foundation of the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments. And most of the people in this nation don't have a clue of what God has said in his word in regards to his law, his commandments for us. This has been detrimental to our society. So I'm glad that the way that we've done this Ten Commandments series, every week we're reading all the previous commandments that we've already preached on, we're reading it again. We're being repetitive. That's on purpose. We as the people of God should know God's commandments. We should know the Ten Commandments. So the repetitive nature of reading all these commandments, instead of me just saying, do not steal and being done with it, because that's the text I'm preaching on today. We read all of them that we've already preached before so that we can continue to be reminded of God's commands. God's people should know what he expects of us. We should know his commands. But like I said, our nation doesn't. And it's cost us here. I want to use some examples of recent impact. Walmart, Walmart in Fairfield. Uh, Walmart used to be in Fairfield. 2016, Walmart in Fairfield closed its doors seven years ago. Before Walmart closed its doors, it ran out, put out of business all the other grocery stores that were in Fairfield. Believe it or not, there were multiple grocery stores in Fairfield before Walmart came to Fairfield. I'm a resident of Fairfield, been here since I was a kid. I remember those days. Fairfield had multiple grocery stores. The big dog Walmart came in town, ran the other grocery stores out of business, last dog standing. Then in 2016, Walmart shut its doors and therefore, Fairfield became a food desert. No fresh produce, no grocery store with fresh meats. If the residents of Fairfield want to go to the grocery store, they have to go outside of Fairfield city limits. But the word on the street is that the reason Walmart closed its doors was because of the theft that was taking place. Not primarily theft out the front door, meaning customer theft, shoplifting. I'm sure a lot of that happened. But primarily due to backdoor theft. Employees 
taking merchandise, selling it on the internet for their own profit, their own gain, or selling it on the street. We like to call it hot, something hot. <laughs> if it's a stolen good, you want to know if it's hot because you don't want to be caught with stolen goods, right? But those kind of things happen in Fairfield. Um, Walmart shut its doors in Fairfield in 2016. So we've been without a grocery store for seven years, and the impact has been great. That's 2016, though. I said recent. Chicago, 2023, earlier this year. Four Walmarts in the inner city of Chicago, the hood areas of Chicago, closed its doors and didn't even give them a week notice. It was like less than a week notice, like five days notice that these Walmarts were all shutting down at the same time. Want to know why? Want to take a guess? Theft. Same stuff. It's been reported that Walmart, staying on this example, loses roughly $3 billion each year due to theft. You may say, well, that's just, you know, Walmart, you know, there's a lot of big dogs. They got a lot of money. You know, it don't really matter if Walmart closes the doors. You know, that, that, that family is going to be good. They, they run it. Well, it's not so much about Walmart, it's about the communities that Walmarts are in and the impact that it has on them. So, for example, Walmart here in Fairfield, when it was here, contributed to 40% of the sales tax revenue. This one store contributed to 40% of the sales tax revenue for the city of Fairfield. Don't think that has a big impact when something like that closes its doors on the community? The city services that can be offered to the residents of Fairfield when there's a loss of that much sales tax revenue in the community? And now the residents of Fairfield, when they spend their dollars, got to go outside of Fairfield and support another city instead of being able to support their own? Matters. Great impact. It's been detrimental that this nation and the people in this nation don't even know the Ten Commandments of God. In some pockets of our culture, theft is even promoted. Jeremiah 2.26 starts off by saying, as a thief is shamed when caught. Let me say that again. As a thief is shamed when caught. And when I read that, it got me thinking, and I had to ask myself, is there any shame left in our culture in regards to theft? Is there any shame? Well, like I said, different pockets of the culture, theft is promoted. So I might lose some of y'all right now, but that's okay. Stay with me. Rapper, King Von. It's back in the media recently. Um, Rap King Von is no longer among the living. Uh, he was murdered in 2020. But his music is back on the front stage in the media here recently. His music is still being released. And his most recent, one of his most recent music videos that was released last month is called Robberies. 
You can imagine what it talks about in that song. It's released, it was released last month with over five and a half million views in a month's time. But he was known not just for that song that's coming out now, even though he's, he's been dead for a couple years now. He was known for another song called Gleesh Place. Not even going to try to explain what that means. <laughs> but that music video has over 20 million views. And so let me read you some of the lyrics to that song. 20 million views. I ain't going to rap it. I'm going to read it. (laughs) Home invasions. Robberies. Homicides. First degrees. If you ain't caught you none, you better catch you some. If you ain't got no gun, you better get you one. Lyrics to a very, very popular song in our culture. There are movies that come out that glorify the bank robberies, the grand heists, actually pretty good action movies. I I, I confess, like there's there was one that came out a couple years ago called Den of Thieves. And it was really good. And if you're not careful, because they give all the backstories of, of you know, what, what the guys, the robbers have been through, and they butter them up. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself rooting for the thieves, for them to get away with the heist. It riled up in me. I was like, I, that was a good plan. You're like, you want to see it work out. Like, they, they put a lot of thought into that. And even that, I mean, if you think about the skills that are needed, the planning, the strategy, the logistics, it takes a lot to pull it off. But the movies promoted, Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Thirteen, y'all have seen different movies promoting bank robberies, casino heists, all these different things, getting awards in our culture. So in our culture, we see promoted, we see that it's actually been detrimental to our society in so many ways. Let's talk about it. Eighth commandment, stealing or theft is defined as taking another person's property without his or her permission. The eighth commandment prohibits taking anything that does not belong to us. It presupposes or assumes that God has given a right to personal property. There is no theft without proper private ownership. So God has given the right to property, to private ownership. It's a gift from God. Now, we know that ultimately, All property belongs to God. All things belong to God. Psalm 24, 1, the earth and everything in it, 
the world and its inhabitants all belong to the Lord. Everything belongs to God. But he does allow and call human beings to take dominion over the earth. In his name. So in other words, we are stewards or managers for God with the responsibility to care for his creation. God gives possessions to people. And stealing would have no meaning unless there were clear distinctions between what belongs to you and what belongs to me and what belongs to someone else. So that being said, what does theft look like? Like, how does it flesh itself out in our day and age? Number one, you have secret theft. Ski masks, making sure no one's home, kicking in the back door, stealing your HDTVs and your jewelry while no one's there, getting out, don't know who did it. Secret theft. Then there's robbery, where the person knows that stuff is being taken from them. By force, violence, snatching a purse off someone's arm, holding someone up by gunpoint, armed robbery, taking their jewelry, taking their car. You have robbery. Then you have kidnapping. Slavery, trafficking. Let me say this. Um, the Bible gets a bad rap about how it talks about slavery and people misunderstand the slavery that's in the Bible. Um, the slavery that's in the Bible uh, most often is referring to how a slave master and a slave deal with each other in indentured servitude which when a person is entering into slavery to pay off a debt, that they will be released once the debt is paid. It was taking place in biblical times. But the type of slavery that took place with the transatlantic slave trade, the Bible actually condemns that type of slavery. Exodus 21, 16 says, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Sounds like condemnation of the slavery we're aware of, right? That we talk about most of the time. The Bible condemns that. But then, you know, there's lots of talk about that still. 1619, what happened in the 1700s, 1800s, there's lots of focus still on that today. And there's not as much focus on the slavery that's taking place right now in 2023. Brothers and sisters, trafficking is real and it's happening right now. Sex trafficking, children are being trafficked right now, stolen, kidnapped, forced into slavery. A lot of the pornography that people indulge in. A lot of those women have been trafficked. It's a crisis of our day and age. 
and I don't think it's getting enough attention. It's starting to now. There's a movie out. I'm not promoting it. I haven't seen it. I think I'm kind of promoting it. I haven't seen it. I've heard good things about it, though. Sound of Freedom. It's, it's trying to expose the child trafficking that's taking place in our day and age and what we can do about it as Christians. But not a lot of attention given to that. A lot of attention given to 16, 19. Not much attention given to 2023 slavery. But the Eighth Commandment condemns kidnapping. Cheating. It's another form of breaking the Eighth Commandment. Stealing. Swindling. Through deceit. Using deceitful means to cheat someone to get something out of someone, to get something extra, to overcharge, underdeliver. You got a car, you know it's got a laundry list of issues, repairs that need to be made, but you promote it and advertise it as great car, runs great. You sell it for the price of a great car, person drives it away, weak letter break, breaks down on them. That's swindling, that's cheating someone, that's breaking the eighth commandment, that's stealing. Taking advantage of someone's lack of knowledge. Loan sharks in our community, these check cashing places, take advantage of the poor and their lack of knowledge and their lack of financial literacy and understanding. Charge high rates of interest, way too high. And people get drowned in those things. Take advantage of desperate people. Breaking the Eighth Commandment, legal form of it. False advertising, using counterfeit money. We can go on and on with that. Selling stolen goods, as I talked about earlier. Breaking the Eighth Commandment. Stealing from your employer. Stealing goods out the back door. Stealing time as well from our employers. Using that bathroom break that you could get your business done in five minutes, but you know, social media, you know, I want to scroll for, so I take 20 minutes in the bathroom. I do that every day. That five-minute bathroom break takes me 20 minutes every day. You're still in time, breaking the Eighth Commandment. Your employer's paying you for that when you're doing it on the clock. Plagiarism, right? Stealing someone's intellectual property as if it's yours, breaking the Eighth Commandment. Wastefulness, wasting the time that God has given us. Time, life is a gift. Wasting it. Wasting our talents, not using our ta the talents that God has given us. Wasting that, we're stealing from God. And the list go, can go on and on and on. And theft is serious, brothers and sisters. Um, theft hurts God. It's not just an offense to God. It's not just disobedience to God's commands. It hurts God. And it hurts God because it hurts his image bearers. Theft damages the dignity of image bearers. If you have ever 
been a victim of theft, if you have ever been robbed, if you've ever had your house broken into, your car broken into, you know how bad that feels. I've had that happen to me multiple times. I had my apartment broken into, I had my car broken into multiple times. You wake up in the morning, go to the car, you see someone's been through it. You come home from work, your mattress is flipped over, your drawers are pulled out, the place is wrecked. I've experienced that. That's supposed to be your safe place, your home, your refuge. You know someone's been in there. They may have been scoping out your, your schedule and know, knew when you weren't there. They may have been watching you. You feel violated. Theft damages God's image bearers. You may have had something stolen that was very valuable to you, not just monetarily valuable, but sentimentally valuable, an heirloom, something that was passed down for generations and is gone like that, had much meaning. You're damaging, theft is damaging image bearers, damaging the dignity of image bearers. But this is the thing, uh, talking about robberies, breaking in, secret theft, all this kind of stuff, kidnapping. If we're not careful, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, we can think theft is out there, someone else's problem, that we're good with the Eighth Commandment. Um, and if you think this, you wouldn't be the only one. You won't be alone. There's a Barna survey, again, that was done some years back that stated that 86% of adults claimed that they are completely satisfying God's requirement regarding the Eighth Commandment. 86% people think, I'm good, I perfectly follow the Eighth Commandment. I'm not a, I'm not a thief. So if we're not careful, you and I can become desensitized to the subtle ways that we commit theft every day. The subtle ways we commit theft every day. And because of that, I don't, I don't want anyone to walk away today with a caricature or a stereotypical picture in your head of the face of a thief. See, we talk about manifold a lot here at Urban Hope, um, the diversity, that God is a diverse God. Well, the face of a thief is manifold. It's diverse. Earlier in my career, uh, I was an auditor, worked for an accounting firm. And uh, when we were first starting as new hires, we had to go through training. And in our training, we had to do some real life case studies um, in regards to accounting fraud. We wanted to be able to, as auditors, be able to identify or at least begin the process of identifying accounting fraud when we went to our clients' offices. Because I wasn't an IRS auditor where people hate to see you coming. Um, I was actually an auditor for a firm where the company um, hires you to come do an audit. They want the audit done on their company. Now, some of the lower level staff <laughs> that didn't have anything to do with that 
decision may not want you to come, but the companies want you to come. And so we had to do a lot of interfacing with the clients. Lots of questions we had to ask our clients, those who were the bookkeepers, those who were over the accounting processes or who were involved in the accounting processes. And so in our training, we had this real life case study of accounting fraud. And our trainer told us a story about a person who had embezzled thousands upon thousands of dollars from the company that they worked for. And this person was an older white woman, and he described it. This was a white man who was our trainer. He described her like a, like a, a southern belle, sweet, smile, kind. But this woman, who was older, could have been somebody's granny, embezzled thousands of dollars from that company. And they wanted us to understand that and have that picture because they didn't want us to slack off based on, with, with the questions that we had to ask in regards to fraud, based on how the person looked. Drill the young black man, but take it easy on the old white woman. They didn't want us to do that. They just want us to show partiality because the face of a thief is manifold. Rich, poor, black, white, male, female, old, young, doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, you woke up this morning, you went to the bathroom, you went before the sink, you washed your face, you rinsed it off, and you looked up into the mirror, looked into the face of a thief. Because the heart of a thief is selfishness, is self-serving, is self-preservation. The heart of a thief is selfishness, caring for oneself, putting one's own needs above others one's own wants and desires above others. And brothers and sisters, we all do that. So let's take us back to the garden. Garden of Eden. The first man and woman, Adam and Eve. Everything that they had had been given to them by God. Everything that they had. And some people today, you know, so far removed from the garden, they could think, well, the things that I have is because of me, it's because I worked hard, because I earned it, I'm my own self-made man, I have what I have because of me. But Adam and Eve had no question that everything that they had was from God, it had been given to them. And they had the freedom to eat from any tree in the garden. All the fruits of the trees belonged to them, except one. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was one tree that did not belong to Adam and Eve, that they were not free to eat from. But we know the story. The Bible says that from that one tree that did not belong to them, Eve took. She took what did not belong to her, she stole. 
And we know that's not the whole story. <laughs> she was deceived into doing that. Who deceived her? The thief. The thief who comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. So the thief deceived Eve into becoming a thief. And then Eve gave to her husband, who also became a thief. They became thieves together, a team of thieves. Bonnie and Clyde. If you don't know who Bonnie and Clyde are, look it up. Uh, I'm not talking about Beyonce and Jay-Z. 03 Bonnie and Clyde. Some of y'all don't know what that is, but some of y'all do. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the original Bonnie and Clyde. And actually, what I'm saying is Adam and Eve were the original Bonnie and Clyde. And through them, as their descendants, as those who took on that same human nature, that sinful, broken human nature, that through Adam and Eve, we became thieves. So what do we do? That's the case. Ephesians 4.28 says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone who is in need. Use a different translation. It's more straight and plain to the point. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others who are in need. Work, brothers and sisters, is good for us. It was before the fall. Work hard. Don't be idle. Don't be lazy. Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. If you're not willing to work, don't presuppose on the generosity of Christians in the church. Work with your hands. Also, brothers and sisters, repair. If you have stolen, repair. The Old Testament talked about making restitution for what you had stolen. So if you stole something, pay it back double, triple, whatever the case may be in certain situations. In the New Testament, the story of Zacchaeus, I'm not going to get into it, but Zacchaeus was a too deep, but Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he wanted to see Jesus. He was short, so he jumped in a tree. Jesus was walking by. He was able to see him. But in that process, Jesus saw him. The people did not like Zacchaeus because he was a tax collector. They didn't like him. But Jesus said, I'm going to stay at your house tonight. Zacchaeus loved that. He was thankful for that. He jumped down. People were saying, you know how they said about Jesus, why are you hanging out with these sinners? But Zacchaeus, look at Zacchaeus' response. His response, he said, behold the Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Make right your wrong. Repair. Thirdly, give. Give. The fruit of repentance for theft includes generosity. 
to others. Stealing or taking is valuing a possession more than a person. But being generous and giving is valuing a person more than a possession. That's what we are called to do, brothers and sisters. Love others as ourselves. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So we can't love others as we should, and we can't value people as we should, apart from the grace of God and the love of God in Christ Jesus. We must remember, brothers and sisters, that Christ was crucified between two thieves. There was one thief that mocked Jesus. But there was another thief who confessed that he was guilty of his sin, that he deserved his punishment, and that Jesus was innocent, though he was not. And that thief was forgiven by Christ. That thief was welcomed into paradise. Brothers and sisters, the father gave his only begotten son. The son gave his life. No one took it. No one stole Jesus's life. He gave it. He laid it down. He did that to give us eternal life. So I want to leave you with these words of Christ. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. Eve listened to that thief. But Jesus says his sheep don't listen to the thieves and robbers. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life. And have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Urban Hope Podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.urbanhopecc.com.